And then one of the girls in my in my moral theology class who texts on her Mac during class all the time, she was complaining mm-hmm. after class one day. She's like, I feel like I haven't learned anything in this class. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> that's not anyone's fault uh-huh. except yours. Except yours. <laughs> why would you pay? <laughs> why would you pay for this class and text your friends during it? That just seems stupid. Me sitting right next to her on Twitter the whole time during class. <laughs> I can't believe, look at her. She's so ungrateful paying, so ungrateful, for, this paying for this and class and not paying attention. Oh, man, look, Tommy Ty stole my tweet again. Dang it. <laughs> Dang it. Welcome to The Crunch, the only podcast that's honest about recovering from its social media addiction. It's your boy, Ethan. And I'm Patrick. I wish more people were honest about how the fact that they're addicted to social media. Matt I Fratt mean, is. I mean, the first step him, is admitting you have a problem, and very few people have taken that first step. Right, because it's unprofitable to admit you have a problem. Yeah, exactly. It's like think about think about big big sponsor of the show Toyota. Right, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw <laughs> you under the bus a little bit, Toyota, the the Nissan made bus. Uh, remember remember when they when they had that problem with the Prius and the Prius wouldn't stop. And no. there's that guy who drove on the highway for miles and miles because he couldn't stop his Prius. Oh, yeah, I do remember that. Did Toyota ever make reparations? No. 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 They never admitted they had a problem because you know what? And nobody thinks about it. Everybody's buying the Forerunner. Nobody's thinking about the Prius. <laughs> That's all I got to say. That's all I got to say. I, I have I have been getting recall notices for my Toyota uh, for like a year and a half. And i i get the notices but then i click on resolve and it was like issue not resolved and it says i like it says like what's the issue with and they were like the airbag and i went into the dealership and i was like what's the problem here and they're like oh yeah the airbag might not deploy and i'm like okay so like what can i do to be safer and they're like well just don't get in an accident i'm like okay so the normal rules (laughs) so it's it's we're all living in the same world right now same same rules as normal just like no safety blanket and i was like if if someone made a toaster that blew up, like it might blow up, you uh-huh. would recall and refund the, those people's money. Like that's how it would sure. work. But like with cars, it's just logistically and financially an impossibility to recall every 2016 Toyota Corolla. Come on. Mm-hmm. Uh, hey, my toaster's airbags didn't deploy. <laughs> I ran into it at 60 miles an hour, and it didn't do anything. <laughs> I thought that it came with. It said that it was. It had safety measures. I didn't necessarily read that part of the manual, but I threw it off the balcony of my three-story apartment complex. And instead of these inflatable bags inflating and protecting it from harm, <laughs> it shattered into a million pieces. It's and a I would bunch like of a Cuisinart. I would like a refund now. <laughs> Let I me was tell reading. You this. Well, go ahead. Oh, no, I was going to say. Speaking of Cuisinart and toasters, yeah. guess what I did the other day? I think it might be cuisine art. But go ahead. I thought it was Cuisinart. I think it's cuisine, like the word cuisine. Uh, representatives from Cuisinart, if you're listening, and I know that you are, please, one, <laughs> sponsor me by sending me as many appliances as you can. And make sure two, the airbags deploy. Make sure the airbags deploy. And two, how do I say your name, Cuisinart? Cuisinart? But there's no E. Cuisinart? Maybe Cuisinart. it is Cuisinart. 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 Somebody go to your kitchen right now and check and see. <laughs> I, uh, Emma and I went to uh, Bed Bath and Beyond. Oh, nice! And we 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 got into that registry game. Oh, yeah! And let me tell you this. So I think that they have the little guns, uh-huh. specifically like the scan guns, you know, to to scan all the price tags when you're doing your registry. Yeah, specifically so that the man doesn't like his organs don't like fall out of his body out of boredom in the bed bath and beyond (laughs) like if i had had to walk through that whole store and like look at the things and like write them down i i would have been dead by the time we got from pizza cutters to cheese slicers you know (laughs) but since since they gave me the little gun and i got i got little lights you know i had a little it was tactile i could do i could add you know the amount like i want 10 pizza cutters you know (laughs) I want eight, I was, one for each slice, or would it be seven? I was, it would be seven. I, w- <laughs> I was engaged for for two hours, and every every couple of minutes, Emma would say, "Like, are you good? Do you want to keep going?" I said, "Oh, I'm. I, let's go." <laughs> this like, is like a Toy I'm, Story ride, but I get things. I'm, <laughs> I'm running over to the drapes. I'm scanning things, and I don't even know what they are. It was oh, it was a great time. But before that, we were in a coffee shop, and we were trying to do it 
on the computer. And I think Emma just being the wonderful fiance that she is was just noticing like me, like just slumping more and more in my chair (laughs) and like getting less and less responsive. And then we realized that we could go into the store and she said, let's do that. And it was, it was amazing. I had, I had so much fun. So Cuisinart, if you're listening, uh, one sponsor this podcast Two sponsor my wedding. Yeah. I need, I need a burr grinder for my coffee beans. So here's the thing. We did, we registered on Amazon and we just got, we put a bunch of things in there and they don't ask for like proof that you're getting married. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um, they, they just say, here's a wedding registry. And if you, if everybody buys like a certain amount of things on the wedding registry, you get like a $25 Amazon gift card. And I was like, what's stopping me from just making a bunch of wedding registries and only ever buying things through my wedding registry? Like (laughs) for baby showers, you can register for stuff like diapers. What if I just have eight baby showers and just get $25 every time I hit X amount of diapers? I mean, I think you just invented credit card cash back. Like that's oh, really what you just like that does did, exist. Yeah. yeah. Um, it shouldn't. It shouldn't, but it does. But I think you could. I think there's probably someone out there who who is managing hundreds and hundreds of It's like the movie The Big Short except it's just one guy buying a bunch of diapers. Yeah, instead of baseball <laughs> or whatever The Big Short's about. The Big Short is about the financial crisis of 2007. Mm, that doesn't sound right. I think you're thinking of Moneyball. Okay. Have you ever seen The Big Short, Patrick? <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. I think you would actually really, really like it. Moneyball is about baseball. Moneyball is about baseball. Moneyball is really good, too. I was purposefully switching them around. I, th- I think they both have Brad Pitt in them. Well, I also... They don't both have Brad Pitt in them, but I think they might be directed by the same guy. I think they both might be an Aaron Sorkin uh, flick. I might gotcha. be making that up. I have a question. How do I get that weird slash through an O in my name like Aaron Sorkin does? You have to be uh, from the North. Dang it. From and your South. your name your name has to be Bjorn. And it doesn't have any O's <laughs> in it either. Yeah. Uh, did you know? Speaking of last names, and also, Great we transition. have to bring this up. What? Oh, <laughs> I don't know. Speaking of last names, I saw that Larry King died. Yeah. Did I? Did, I did not know that he died. Um, but then I also was reading the article about him, and it changed his name from a super Jewish sounding name to King, because he didn't want people to, uh, you know, not listen to him. Which is kind of sad that he had that to do that. That is sad, but, yeah. But also, I understand it too because it's like it was really hard to spell and pronounce. Oh, so, yeah. like if I if I went into show business, I would be Ethan Patrick. <laughs> <laughs> if I went into the suspenders game, uh, yeah my 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 professor for one of my night classes has gotten my name wrong two weeks in a row. He was like, "Oh no, Patrick," nah, and he was like, "I'm so sorry. I'm so." Sorry, I was like, it's okay, man. I get it. Every time, people always it's try hard. it. They get it wrong. They look. They everybody gets real confident. You know, it's like, I don't know. It's like before reading my name, everyone becomes like a guy who's had a few and is gonna jump from one pool table to the next. You know, he's like way too confident, and they're like, "Are you they referencing me jumping <laughs> off of a pool table?" That feels like what I'm referencing, but I don't know. And- <laughs> Ripping my my jeans open in front of a bunch of focus missionaries and then almost getting kicked out of a bar, <laughs> even though I was completely sober at the time. Is that what Stone you're referencing? Cold sober Stevie. That's what they call him. <laughs> oh man, I, I KO'd myself from the top rope. He's ripped his jeans. He's on holes in his jeans. What's the deal? I, I hurt my knee pretty bad. It was that, scuffed up. That's that's so funny. My, when was my that? pride and my knee? That was that was Mardi Gras. That was right before. Oh COVID. yeah, that's right. It was Mardi Gras. Mardi Gras was the reason that COVID was so big in America. I was there. I lived I was it. Was there? I watched it. I watched everybody. I watched the evil little suction cup ball looking COVID thing go from person to person. I saw it happen. There were lots of suction cups. Let me tell you what at Mardi Gras. Gross. I don't know what that's supposed to mean, and we're just gonna move on. <laughs> Sounds good. You want to know what yeah. I did today or yesterday? What'd you do yesterday? So there's a seminarian that works for my parish who's. Uh, he's discerned out of seminary and he's going to join the Benedictines, baby. And uh, Ooh, great. the Benedictines use a different uh, Liturgy of the Hours book. They use a different breviary. Than oh, that's the, annoying. That's just a whole other exp- – it's a racket by the Benedictines to get yeah, right. <laughs> so you to make money. <laughs> and uh, I think I think the, the monastery owns all the breveries. <laughs> oh, okay. So it's it's so they went to the Matthew Kelly School of Breveries. <laughs> 
They're printing the refreeze. They're they they hired the Benedictines hired a company or they started a company and their company is, has the exclusive rights to print all books that. And come for from whatever Benedict. reason, all of the monks are in the back room making these thousand dollar watches, and it's I really ridiculous. just I, weird. I don't understand. <laughs> and they have the biggest the- house in Cincinnati. <laughs> <laughs> the biggest house in the history of Cincinnati. No, so so I was I was talking to him about uh, a bre- remember I told you I got that breviary for free. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I was talking to him about that, and he's like, "Oh, are you looking for a set?" And I was like, "Yeah." And he was like, "You can have mine." And so he gave me his. That's great. Yeah. So I have a I have a new set of it's like almost brand new set of breweries, and uh, I'm also he also gave me his his uh, his alb surplus cassock cincture and fascia. Oh, I don't know start. what the fascia is. The fascia is like that. that it looks like a scarf. It, it's a, it's like a cincture. It goes around. It goes around your waist, but it's that bigger one, that fancier one that like hangs down and has frills mm-hmm, on it. Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. he gave me that because I'm gonna start altar serving and uh, and oh. seeing stuff at at yeah. Because I wanted to like pitch in at the parish because sure. I was reading this book about I was reading this book about youth ministry, and it was it was a Protestant book, and so it was like the best thing that a youth minister can do in his new job is. Uh, volunteer for as many weddings baptisms and funerals as possible and i was like okay i can't do those but apparently i can do blessing services so i volunteered to do that so i'm going to be on the schedule to help bury people in the parish wow that's great though that's a work of mercy it is it is a work of mercy that's true and it's something that i think uh i i think helping renew the liturgical life of the parish is something that i feel very passionate about and i want sure to help with i even got invited to the worship committee meeting so that's oh, fun yeah you're, look at you ingratiating yourself into the liturgical life of the parish i'm so proud of you i mean that's the move we was one of uh one of the parish leadership people asked me they were like we want to get more teens involved in altar serving and i was like that's a great idea and i was like the best way for me to do that is just start doing it myself and then they'll be more willing to do it if i ask them you know let's get into the hot take time machine Take you gotta put the bumpers in i'm putting i put them in every week oh i have a i have a <laughs> i have a uh, <laughs> a poignant hot take that was worth our that was referencing our conversation earlier anyway all right welcome to the hot take time machine the part of the show where we take a look back at at the past patrick has a hot take and he's going to share it with us now i have a hot take that references our conversation that we were just having uh okay. this is from november 2015 if there was an actual war on women They'd win. Just saying. There's a lot more of them, and they live longer. <laughs> it's true. They're resilient. They're resilient. They know how to organize. That John Mulaney joke about the heist was totally wrong. Totally wrong. I don't, you're going to have to uh, open up the kimono a little bit on that one. John Mulaney was like, women could never organize a heist. Like, Ocean's Eleven never would have worked with women. And then they made Ocean's Eight, like, three years later. But yeah. I think he's absolutely incorrect. Uh, I was talking. I was. I was telling. I was regaling the story of our of my bachelor party about how uh, none of us coordinated with each other on who was picking up alcohol, so everybody did. Um, <laughs> no. <laughs> and one of my one of my coworkers was like, "That never would have happened at a bachelorette party. Like there would have been a group text and constant communication." I'm like, "You're so right. Why wasn't Ocean's Eleven, Ocean's Eight the whole time? You're telling me. Why didn't me- I have women at my bachelor party? What was I thinking? <laughs> what was I thinking? Anyway." What's your hot take? <laughs> I actually wanted to do something a little bit different for the hot take time machine this week. Whoa, this is this is off the cuff. I will, I was not this informed is, of this beforehand. No, this is I wanted I wanted to come in pure and yeah. have you react uh, in a in a very particular manner. So I'm here I'm in. I'm so excited. I was I was thinking back. Um, this is in the same vein of the hot take time machine. I was thinking back to I, I, it was it was a story that my dad would always tell, and it wasn't really a story as much as it was like a uh, an event that occurred. He was walking home from class one day when he was in college and this big black swan just chased him down the street. And I, I've always, I've always imagined just like my dad, he used to be a bean pole, skinny guy, just imagining like this skinny guy carrying his books, like running away from a, from a swan. <laughs> it's just a very funny image in my mind. Yeah. Um, so I was telling this story and then I just like some, some neurons fired in the proper order that I remembered this book that I read when I was a child. Mm-hmm. called the trumpet of the swan have you heard of this book yes i do know of the trumpet of the swan okay so there is a 
let me let me just read you the plot summary of this book. Okay. 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 <laughs> just just maybe see if you remember it as closely as you think you do. I don't know so, if I do. <laughs> so the main character, Bird, his name is Louis Armstrong. Uh, yes, that is a, a very direct reference to yeah. Louis Armstrong, the trumpet person. The trumpeteer, yeah. Um, Louis is born, and he he's mute. He can't trumpet. And so everybody's worried that he's not going to find a mate, right? So Oh, yeah. The the adults the adult uh, uh, swans grow increasingly concerned about Louis, worrying that he will not be able to find a mate if he cannot trumpet like all the other swans. Louis's father promises to find a way for him to communicate. At the end of summer, the swan family flies to their winter refuge, Red Rock Lakes in Montana. Louis decides he should learn to read and write in order to communicate. <laughs> and fly, Louis just fly. decides to become a rational animal. He decides to develop an immortal soul. Yes. Oh gosh. And and that's just that's just the beginning. It flies away from the refuge to visit Sam Beaver, a child he had met earlier. Sam takes his swan friend to school with him the next morning. <laughs> so the swan family is like is like a hill is like hill people, they just don't send their kids to school, but other animals do go to school. No, Sam Sam Beaver's a real man. Like he's a human. Oh, but his name is his Sam name is Beaver. Beaver. Yes. That's confusing. So Sam Sam takes his swan friend to school with him the next morning. Louie turns out to be a natural at reading and writing, and Sam buys him a port. <laughs> Sam buys him a portable blackboard and chalk so he can communicate. Oh, unfortunately, yeah. unfortunately, because the other swans cannot read, Louis is still lonely. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't really think about that, did he? So okay, we're, I'm going to learn how to read so I can communicate with the other people that can't read. <laughs> when Louis returns to the Red Rock Lakes, he falls in love with a young swan but cannot attract her attention. Because he can't, Louis's he can't father, read. Louis's father is aware that the trumpeter swans are named after the human musical instrument and becomes determined to acquire a trumpet for Louis. Uh-huh. He crashes through the window of a music store and steals a brass <laughs> trumpet on a cord. By the time Louis learns to effectively play the trumpet, Serena has migrated north. No. Instead of accompanying his family north where he might have to face Serena again, Louis visits Sam on his ranch and explains that he feels guilty about the stolen trumpet. Sam suggests that Louis should get a job <laughs> so he can pay the store for the trumpet in the damaged window. He helps Louis find a position as a camp bugler at Camp Kookaskooks, uh-huh. the boys' camp Sam attends. Uh, so he gets a job, right? He plays taps and Reveille and, and all these things and composes yeah. a love song for Serena. He wins a medal for saving a drowning camper, and he's earned $100, right, which is oh, wow. which is amazing. Um Sam suggests that Louis can get a job with the Swan Boats in Boston. Louis flies across the country and becomes an instant success with a salary of $100 per week and a private suite in the Ritz Hotel. <laughs> oh, wow. They really treat their swans They nice really did. He ended up getting a job at a nightclub, earns $500 a week. Wow. And finally meets Serena when she gets blown off course and lands in the zoo that he's staying in. Oh, gosh. Um, which is the odds. Uh, I, we don't even need to get into that. Yeah, really. I mean, it's for kids. So they're like, yeah, Boston yeah. Zoo makes sense Boston to me. Boston Zoo, yeah. She's going to end up there. Louis serenades her by playing Beautiful Dreamer on his trumpet, and she falls in love with him. Oh, my gosh. Wait, I remember this. Was this also a movie or a TV show? This was also a, a really poorly made movie that only made $102,000 at the box office. Oh, gosh. Because you want to know why? I'll, I'll tell you why. Just hold on that. We're going to get to the end of the story, and I'll tell you about the movie. Okay. Louis and Serena fly back to Red Rock Lakes. Now intending to live the rest of his life among other swans, he no longer needs his slate. Louis writes an apology on the slate and gives it and the money back to his father, who flies back to the music store in Billings. Afraid that the swan will destroy another window, the storekeeper shoots him. (laughs) Oh my gosh! (laughs) But is amazed to find the note and the money, which amounts to several times the cost of both the stolen trumpet and the window. Because the swan is a protected species, he's taken to a veterinarian where his injury is treated. He flies back to rejoin his family. And the storekeeper is arrested? No, the storekeeper. No, the storekeeper. It's, well, the up, swan it's, species it's isn't very protected then. If the well, <laughs> <laughs> what's it protected by? Veterinarians or the law? Yeah, and then uh, if you hit a sandhill crane in Florida, you go to prison or get a fine or something. Twenty years later, Sam goes camping and he hears the horn as he falls asleep, and that's that's the story. And I, I am shook. I had like this resurrected just all kinds of memories of from me in my mind thinking about this swan who could play the trumpet and just thinking that there's probably all kinds of animals that can do that. When I was eight, E.B. White lying to me and telling yeah. me that this is all possible, that a swan just has the desire to become rational. So let's talk about the movie. <laughs> it was, the same, comes it was out. the same author as uh, Charlotte's Web, E.B. White. Yeah, That's same, same author, author as Charlotte's Web. Also, and swans the- only live 20 to 30 years. So if he lived 20 years and then that. fell asleep. 
that means he dead. So the movie was released in theaters on May 11th, 2001. Okay. Do you know what was released on May 18th, 2001? Sorry, hold on. When was this released again? What was the day? This was released May 11th, 2001. Can you just guess off the top of your head what might have been released on May 18th, 2001? Uh, the uh, Stuart Little. It, it, well, Stuart Little was also written by E.B. White. Yeah. Um, Shrek. <laughs> so can you just imagine a world where Shrek didn't come out and our whole culture is obsessed with the trumpet of the swan? The trumpet of the swan. <laughs> <laughs> and every cultural reference that we make to Shrek was replaced by referencing the trumpet of the swan. If Shrek had not come out, I think we would be living in a vastly different world, mostly because of this this film. Um. So I just, I, I wanted to go into that. I wanted to go back into my history. And I think I might do this a little bit more. Go back into these books that we read as a kid, kind of remind us of the plot um, and, how did and you enjoy. Get the, how did you know, how did you remember that that was when Shrek was released? It's, it's in the Wikipedia article. Oh. I'm not, I'm not going to pretend that I'm some kind of savant. Gotcha. But <laughs> I do, I did know that Shrek came out in 2001. So. That makes sense. Um, yes. Yeah. Wow. This is. uh what was the what's the what's the what's the rotten tomatoes on the trumpet of this one? It's it's fifteen percent. Oh geez, yeah. It's certified rotten. Yeah. Let me let me let me look up Trumpet of the Swan film. I want to see a scene from it so that I that I remember what it is like. Cause it's, it, uh, I, I, I I'm think, gonna have to cut this out, so I'd rather you not. Oh, okay, that's fair. I just I just I looked up I looked up uh images of it and now now mm-hmm. I'm getting the flashbacks. It's crystallized. Yeah, it's cri- yeah. The, the, I, I feel knew like it's one of these movies that a lot it. of people have seen. Like we probably read it in school, and the teachers were like, "Let's just watch this so that we can have a, an afternoon off." Yeah, and we've seen it, but like everybody kind of it's it's buried. You know, you gotta you gotta dig it out a little bit. Oh gosh, yeah. When when his dad gets shot, that's mm-hmm. oh my gosh, it's so sad. You can here's the thing. I I get E. B. White as a celebrated children's author. I understand that, but he pulled that out of his butt. He's like, I gotta oh, have yeah. an act three. I gotta have a I gotta have a third yeah. act. Like I gotta tragedy. have something that leaves that leaves these kids crying. Right? <laughs> like, what's the point of that? I was a child. <laughs> I didn't need to think about a father figure getting shot. That's awful. Yeah. It's awful. So that's that's oh. my hot take for the year. I wanted to bring that to the forefront of everyone's mind. First of all, I want to go back to your dad getting chased by a literal black swan. Yeah. That's hilarious. It is. It's so funny. <laughs> I think about it all the time. <laughs> probably not at the time, but... Uh, <laughs> probably not. He was probably a little concerned. Have for I his... told you about the time that I got chased by a man in a, a gorilla costume? Probably. Yeah. Uh, do you want you me to tell like it again? like you want to tell it again, so go, go for okay, it. Okay. So, well, I, 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 was, I was chased by a guy in a gorilla costume... At least I thought I was being chased. So I, I, I was walking back from class, from night class. I was the only one around. And I saw a guy in a banana suit run by. And I was like, okay, that was pretty strange. And then I uh-huh. walked by and I like literally my heart jumped out of my, my chest because I like saw a guy in a gorilla suit peeking over a wall. And it was the scariest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> it was it was awful. And That's he like, a, he, he ran after the banana, right? Again, no one is here, okay? And then... I see a guy run around the corner with a safari outfit and a butterfly net. And he's like, he looks at me and I'm like, okay, he went that way. And he like just runs off. I'm like, who is this for? Was it just for me? (laughs) I was the only one around. (laughs) Where's the hidden camera? I looked it up on YouTube. It wasn't a prank show. I was trying to figure it out. If it was a prank show, it's not a very popular one. Yeah. They didn't make it past production. I tried. I tried to look up banana gorilla safari guy prank on fat kid, but it didn't show up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. Hey, thank you for listening to this episode of the Crunch. Sorry to interrupt what I'm sure is a stimulating intellectual conversation, but I wanted to pause the episode real quick to let you hear from some of our sponsors. We will be back right after this. All right, I'm ready for this topic. You ready for this I topic? I get into it. Yes. Sweet. Okay, so what what made you want to talk about Lent? I've just been thinking about it. You've been thinking about Lent? That's fair. Usually we forget to do a Lent episode like until Lent starts, but Lent it's good starts, to think about it But I think it you, need, you need to have time to prepare because it's, it's, it's really like, do you think, I mean, just think about Jesus, right, who went into the desert for 40 days and 40 nights. Do you think he just up one day and just like heard God say like, today's the day you go. And he was like, okay, I'm going to go now. That and could like, have happened. It could have happened, but I doubt it. 
I mean, I, I feel like he would have prepared and he would have uh, anticipated the challenges and the trials and and started to build up some kind of mental strength, mm-hmm. you know, to, to go out into... Because he was still human, right? He was God. Yeah, like he wouldn't have Mardi Gras it up. He would have reduced his dependence on food, you know. Right. Yes. Yeah. It's a little bit different than the, the ways of the world. But I think we need to take some time and really think and pray about what we want to do for Lent. And I've been thinking about it for quite some time, and I, I think it's, it's good to share because um, we... We get to, you know, February 17th or whatever, and we're going to hear our priest say on Ash Wednesday, even though it's not a holy day of obligation, um, that <laughs> we need to do fasting, prayer, and almsgiving. And we're going to be like, okay, cool. So I'm not going to be on Instagram for 40 days. Yeah. And that just like, that just doesn't hit any of those three categories. And I just want people to have a better understanding of what that actually could be. And uh, yeah, maybe just share some of my own thoughts. But how do you normally prepare for Lent, Patrick? That's a good question. I usually forget that it's coming until the week of, and I the go, week before, oh, shoot. Yeah. yeah. And then I'm yeah. like, oh, gotta I gotta be probably. a hungry boy. Yeah. I guess I gotta be hungry. And then I, uh, forget to give something up. So, or I usually give up Netflix. Did your family do anything when you were a kid? We used to do king cakes, which <laughs> but like I, for Lent though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, no, we didn't do anything together. Like for, mm. we didn't, we didn't do any, any sacrifices together. King we would always how dare you we would always have to uh we would always pick something like usually it was oh, i'm not gonna play playstation 2 you know for 40 days <laughs> i'm gonna play my playstation 5 <laughs> yeah right and then you could play the wii you know so it was yeah. like a it was just a weird um but then as you get older it's kind of a more more serious and more strict and fair yeah we would go to the the penance services and those kinds of things but it was good because it set the foundation of like when lint comes you have to sacrifice something so at the very least i had an idea of sacrifice is is tied with lent um but i want to i want to kind of bust open at least first like talking about fasting we've talked a little bit about fasting before but i'd rather have it all kind of in one place um and i think we just vastly are we're robbed of like what fasting can actually do for us because Mm -hmm. and i don't want to blame the usccb but like they're not listening so um so let's let's blame them (laughs) let's let's blame them but I think saying two small meals and one regular size meal is not—that's not fasting. That is no, not, that's fasting. not fasting. That's not fasting. It's not fasting at all. First of all, there's a huge loophole. Just eat a yes. lot at the end of the day, and then your right. first two meals didn't equal your third meal. Uh huh. It's a huge loophole, mm-hmm. and I think the USCCB's definition of fasting is for sustained fasting. Yeah. By the way, like that, those are the rubrics. Is it, is it really? Is that what yeah, it says? If you're going to fast for like several days at a time, mm-hmm. that's how you do it. Um, okay. with, does anybody, does anybody do that? I'm, I'm sure there are some, people I mean, there are people that do that, but like, is anybody yeah. who's saying like, Oh, two small meals and one big meal. Like, are they doing that for multiple days? Or are they just doing it for Ash Wednesday and good Friday? You if know? people, if people work out, right. Like people who exercise regularly, people who are athletes who athletes. have to work hard for their job. Like that's a good, mm-hmm. that's a good rule for them because you can't sure. go, you can't go like work on an oil rig and not eat. You'll fall off yes. the oil rig. And, so, uh, and die. Yeah. So the USCCB, I think one of, one of the trends now is the church giving you like, here is the bottom line. If you can't do anything, you have to do this. But then even if you can't do that, you still don't have to do it. Like holy days of obligation. You know, it's like, yeah, if you can't make it, you know, that seems to be the attitude at many parishes, you know, because it's like, that's what, that's what happens when you give a bottom line. People tend to play jumper up with the bottom line too. But I think, I think it's good to be like, hey, here's what the ideal is. I had a friend who converted to Catholicism and didn't eat anything on Ash Wednesday and Good Friday. And mm-hmm. I was like, cool that's pretty impressive actually he waited yeah. till midnight to eat and i was like that all right cool sounds good i feel like you can make a liturgical argument for sundown but that's cheating uh <laughs> but yeah so i don't know i think one of the one of the things is we weren't told maybe we haven't experienced how important fasting is and i think it comes from the fact that we are very detached from our bodies mm-hmm. and we don't think about how connected our bodies and our souls are yeah because hunger, I've noticed this, hunger and prayer together really lets you confront your weakness, especially oh, yeah. it's like when I, I, I've had to do this on several occasions. I was like, I'm very hungry. We, we were going to lunch and with my whole family 
And when you're with your family, you get a little more irritated because, you know, it's your family. And mm-hmm. you, you can you can be a little more angry with your brothers because you you're not trying to impress them. Mm-hmm. And so that, 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 that social safeguard is already gone. And on top of that, our reservation, we didn't make a reservation. We got there, we showed up, and uh, they were like, you're going to have to wait a half an hour. And it was already 2 p.m. and I hadn't eaten. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, I am going to be so cranky. And I was like, I need to not be cranky. Mm-hmm. And so I went off and I prayed daytime prayer and I came back nice. and I was not cranky. And I was like, I need to make a concerted effort <laughs> to not be cranky. And I need to actually fight my body's effect on my soul. And like that fight is what fasting does to you. Yeah. Now, a lot of us are under the impression that we are exempt from fasting because we don't think food, we're that attached to food. <laughs> and yeah. that's funny. Try try not eating for a day and then tell me that you're not attached for food yeah. to food. And we were like, oh, but like what I really want, I really need to give up like Netflix. I really need to give up social media because like my life would be so much better if I didn't use those things. And it's like, well, that seems like you're giving, you're, you're giving those things up so that you can have a life that you want. Like you want to imitate a holy life. Like we were talking about a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Um, that's why I gave up Netflix and social media is because I don't want to do those things. So yes. it's barely a sacrifice, but everybody wants to eat. We have to. <laughs> you know yeah it's not even like a want it's like a it's an ingrained yeah necessity you need to do it and so giving that, it up that god is, made yeah. pleasurable so that we didn't die <laughs> thank goodness thank goodness um, i i think i think something down deep side deep inside me was like well i need to i need to make i need to give up instagram because i'm more attached to that than i am to food but that's just a fundamental misunderstanding that I had of who I am as a person. It reminds True. me of someone in middle school. And this is the milkshake story that I was talking about. All right, all right, tell me. Um, I, I, was in, I was in choir with this kid and in middle school. And he was also doing a, a play at, at, this, like, at this theater that I was at. And so I knew this kid well. And he had poor eating habits and parents who would give him a ton of money. And so those two mm. things as a middle schooler do not go well. It got, right. not go hand in hand. And so he ate a lot of food and um, we were doing, we were in a very like chorus, chorus heavy show. And he, in between two shows so on Saturday, we'd have like an afternoon and then an evening show. He went out and got like an extra large milkshake. Oh. And I don't know if you know this, but you should not drink milk or anything with lactose in it. If you're going to sing, because it like, yeah. it really, mucus, the, yeah, it, it makes you all, it flims you up. Yeah. And so I told him that I was like, Hey, you should put that in the fridge and wait until after the show. Cause you're going to have a hard time singing. And I, he was like, what? And I was like, yeah. So lactose makes a lot of phlegm and it like mucuses you up. And so it, it's gonna, it's going to be hard to sing. He goes, Oh yeah. It has the opposite effect on me. And I was like, <laughs> it reminds me of people who convince who, who, who like, who are so like, yeah, caffeine doesn't have an effect on me i mm-hmm. it, it says the opposite thing it makes me sleepy makes me sleepy as if as if a human body reacts one human body reacts one way to a to a chemical and then another mm-hmm. human body reacts completely differently to to a chemical there are things yes. like that like peanuts you know where like some people yeah. think, some people's bodies are like it's a peanut and other people's bodies are like it's e- it's evil it's a nuclear bomb um but like th- for the most part our bodies are very similar and same same with our souls and so I think mm-hmm. I think a lot of us have that have that had that attitude of um, the kid with the milkshake, and we're like, well, fasting isn't really going to do much for me, uh, but we haven't really tried it, and yeah. we're we're only doing it because our mom gave us five dollars extra for lunch, and we wanted an extra large milkshake. Yeah, the I I want to make sure that we get it very clear. Like, if you work in a job where you need to eat to like stay steady. Please you know, eat. like I'm thinking, I'm thinking of Emma, right? She works on tiny, 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 tiny babies. And if her hands are shaky because she hasn't eaten, it's really hard to put the various tubes and needles that she needs to put into their bodies, into babies, you know? Yeah. yeah. So it's like, that's obviously different, you know? She and also that's works where the 12 hour shifts and you can't stand for 12 hours and not eat it, food. Exactly. Right. Like that's the, the, which is why this conversation needs to be tempered with prudence. And that's why like y- you have to be honest about yourself and be like, okay, I can't do it these times. And so like there's surely something else that I could do um, to maintain a penitential attitude um, throughout this season of Lent when I'm in positions where I can't fast, right? Like we, we can't just say like, Oh, well I have this particular job, so I'm good. I'm thanks. I'm going to do, I'm going to give you Instagram and I'll, I'll see you guys at Easter, you know, like, that there needs to be other things that you need to do because it's not just the fasting. It's also dressing in sackcloth and ashes. You know, it's also like the, the, 
the other physical reminders and the ways, the ways that we're dressing and the ways that we're speaking and the things that we're thinking about, the things that we're consuming all has to kind of change for 40 days. Mm-hmm. Um, and fasting is like, I don't know, the, the most visceral way I would say that, that you can be penitential, but it's not the only way. Um, and I, and one of the other things too, is if like fasting freaks you out, I would go so far as to say that you need to fast at least once a week throughout Lent if you want to take it seriously, like on just on Fridays, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's like a good baseline for, for the average person who is healthy and doesn't have any other, uh, exceptions to what we've been talking about. Um, but it's, it's a heck of a lot easier to fast once a week during Lent if you're already accustomed to fasting in your regular life, mm-hmm. you know, and that's, that's something that it's, it's kind of hard to talk about fasting cause you're not supposed to, but I think for the purposes of this podcast, I'll share, like I've been trying to implement fasting a lot more in my regular life, um, just over the past couple of months. And so just trying to pick a day where usually it's Friday, but sometimes it's Wednesday and sometimes it's Wednesday and Friday because of various things that crop up. But it's usually what I do is I just drink water and coffee Maybe I shouldn't drink coffee. Coffee is kind of a luxury, but I like it. And so it's hard. Do you to... drink black coffee? Yeah. yeah. Do you usually drink black coffee? Yes. I think sometimes chemical dependence on coffee necessitates drinking coffee. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. <laughs> I could I, maybe during Lent, I'll, I'll, I'll pick a day where I do no coffee. You it know? is an and appetite. Like... It is an appetite suppressant. Right. So do oh, it with that what you will. Yeah, caffeine. So Ooh. the reason why caffeine. So it's cheating. It is cheating. Dang yeah. it. It is cheating. I didn't even know. Bit. That's okay. Well, so so caffeine is an appetite suppressant. Here's the thing. When monks fast, they don't like they don't obs- I mean, I don't I can't say this for all monks. But like some monks fasting fasting doesn't mean you like have to be starving all day. So like you can drink coffee and fast. Mm-hmm. I think you just should you just shouldn't use sugar and cream because that's like a luxury yeah. you know it's like it's that's the thing it's like you you can you can suppress your appetite a little bit because that's I think I think especially if you're starting out it's helpful but anyway mm-hmm. um yeah so, the way that caffeine works is it that's why it stops you from feeling tired it's mm-hmm. it the caffeine stops that part of your brain from feeling things like tiredness or hunger yeah I see so and that and that is really nice so like what I do is I just try to not eat until dinner on the days that I'm fasting and it's, mm. and just have like a reasonably sized meal for dinner. And that's it. Like yeah. it's, it's nothing crazy. It's very simple. It's very straightforward. And when you get to that, like what we were saying, talking about coffee, like you get to three o'clock in the afternoon and you're like, Ooh boy, <laughs> yeah, this, this is tough. It's going to be a tough, you know, three more hours to get to dinner. And that's where the coffee like helps. And it's like, okay, this is something that I'm, I'm going to have a, just a cup of coffee and I'm going to keep going. Like I can make it through. Now, obviously, is that the ideal? I don't really know. Is it cheating? Maybe. But like, it's still a a way that I'm trying to get into this world of like conquering my body and saying no to the things that, that I know. And it also means like when I'm not fasting, right? It means that I'm, instead of eating like Cheez-Its and cookies for snacks, I'm eating like peanuts and carrots and like sausage and cheese and like real snacks that are actually going to fill me up and not yeah. just taste really good. And I can shove a handful of them into my mouth. Like it, it means that I have to change my entire relationship with food so that when I do start to fast, it's not like this crazy withdrawal. It's like, oh, a, yeah. okay, if you I'm eat too much sugar, back. yeah, if, if you eat a ton of processed sugar and like refined sugars, you're going to have a hard time fasting because your blood sugar is going to drop and you're going to feel like yep. crap at one p- to one to 2 p.m. Right. Which is yeah. why I don't, I don't have a lot of sugary snacks. I don't drink any soda, you know? And that's like, that's not because I'm being you know, super, I'm, I'm fasting all the time. It just means that I've taken a step back from that in my life. And that makes when it's actually time to fast, it makes it a lot easier. Yeah. And so, uh, I think there are things that we can do. Like we're, we're expected to fast outside of Lent. Like you, you probably should fast throughout, throughout ordinary time. If, if you're wanting to, you know, grow in the spiritual life. Um, and so it's like, we get to Lent and we're like, Oh, now time for all the fasting. That's like not actually true. Like you're supposed to increase what you already do throughout yeah. Lent. Yeah. Um, and I think having, that's like really hard to tell people. Cause it's like any time outside of Lent is party city. And that's just not, that's not necessarily true. You ever been to a party city? It's basically, I have, sac- I have been to a party a city. <laughs> I've been to a party city. Let me tell you what I've had a lot of fun in a party city, the party city in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, please do not call me. <laughs> <laughs> is Tuscaloosa in Alabama? It is. That's where the university of Alabama is. Oh, okay. Uh, so yeah, with, 
I, I'm mentioning mentioning soda. Um, even even refined sugars and artificial sweeteners, because artificial sweeteners can trick your blood sugar into doing the same thing that sugar does to you, and so it gives uh-huh. you that crash anyway. Technically, there's no calories, but like, still stay away from it. Um, this is this brings up a good point, right? Where it's like, if you pay attention to your body, mm-hmm. it's like it's life changing. <laughs> yeah, because when you when you notice. When you don't pay attention to your body, you'll be like, why? I'm like, oh, you'll be like, oh, yeah, I'm so alert. I'm so focused right now. And then you'll and then later in the day, you'll be like, why am I so tired? I was so focused earlier. And you, you'll you'll feel like you have no control over yourself. Mm-hmm. But I notice like if, if you pay attention to your body, you'll do things like this. You'll know to put what I do. You'll know to put your most cognitively demanding tasks at point X during the day because that's when you're most alert and you'll know I need to do wind sprints and jumping jacks after lunch because otherwise, or I need to switch up what I'm eating. Like I, I noticed that when I switched from sandwiches to charcuterie boards for lunch, charcuterie boards, it's just lunch oh, meat. It's um, just, yeah. What? <laughs> it's just lunch meat. When I switched from sandwiches to just eating like the meat and cheese and extra cheeses and crackers of a sandwich, mm-hmm. I feel less tired after lunch. And so mm-hmm. I'm not eating bread anymore in the middle of the day. Because I like know what my body will do. And then like you said, it's it's and then I, I know like in the afternoon I'm going to be tired and I'm going to want the candy that Jan and Karen keep putting in the kitchen. Mm. Jan and Karen, mm. please stop doing that. Uh, and so I have to stay away from the kitchen in my work <laughs> during the afternoon because I know I'm gonna want to eat that because it's gonna spike my blood sugar, but then I'm just gonna crash until four PM when it's time to go home. And so anyway. Like I said, if you know if you know your body, then you will first of all you'll just you'll just be a more effective person. I don't I don't know other way to, any other way to put it. But then you also know what things in your life you can afford to remove, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and your body you know how your body will respond. Like oh, if I don't eat lunch at this time, I'm going to act like this. I'm going to feel like I want to act like this, and then you'll know. Okay, I need to set up a barrier to make sure that I don't hurt those around me because I am cranky. Phoebe and I do this all the time. When we're feeling hungry and we start to get cranky, we'll just say it to each other. Like, I am hungry and I'm I'm, I'm feeling a little cranky. And then we know that if, if one person accidentally lashes out at the other, we're not going to take it personally. We're just going to move on and be like, hey, we just need to get some food. And then the usually one of us, the sometimes it's me, the person who that is said to, goes okay yeah we'll just get some food and so that, that's and it. everything's okay everything gets gonna fixed. be okay yeah yeah and i think what you're saying is all true we need to stop living on autopilot like mm-hmm. we need to pay it like we only get the one life and i feel like we float through it a lot of times and then lent comes around and we're like oh yeah i'm really gonna be intentional and that lasts for about 10 days and then you're not intentional for the rest of Lent. And then Easter comes. And you're like, yay, I can go back to normal. But then you were already normal. <laughs> you were already normal. And so if, if you pay close attention to your body, your soul, your schedule, how you're living, if you're constantly examining yourself like we're supposed to every day, um, at least at the very least when you go to mass, you know, if you're really examining yourself and getting getting deep into what are your tendencies, what are your thoughts, what's what's going well, what's not going well, uh then these things are going to be a lot easier to start to tackle. But if we're living on autopilot and we're not paying attention to any of that stuff, then we're going to get to let and be like, I don't know what to give up. I don't know what to do. And so, and I think this uh, goes in nicely with, with almsgiving because we, we talk about, we do talk a lot about prayer on this podcast, which is good because prayer is very important. But when you fast, then all of a sudden, at least the way that I view it, if I'm not making uh, two meals out of three in my day, that gives me an extra hour of my day that I can then go and drive around Tulsa and just find one or two homeless people that I can give some fruit to, or like give a granola bar to or something, right? Like I've now gained like fasting also has this practical application of like, I've gained time that I can then use for other people Mm -hmm. and, and food. You have now gained food food that you do not have have to use on yourself. You have extra money. Like that's that's why those these things are tied together is because you have extra resources that you didn't have before because you're sacrificing it for yourself. Like Lent should be the time when we're the most active in charity. Not necessarily like Advent season is good too and everybody wants to give th- during Christmas time. But I think we should be even more so uh, if have that charitable mindset during Lent because in theory you should be emptying yourself 
of these things that you normally just take for yourself without thinking about it. And now it's like, okay, I have, I have some time in my day. I have some extra money. I have some extra food. There's surely somewhere that you know that you can go, that you can put those resources to good use, whatever they might look like. Um, and that's why Lent is also supposed to be this time of almsgiving, not like, oh, I'm going to put some money in the rice bowl and then bring the rice bowl in. And now it's, we did it. We, <laughs> we paid, we paid for Africa. Like, no, that's not. Africa is fixed, everybody. We did it. We did it. We put, we put three cents in the rice bowl. Wakanda like, no. forever. You have to go out of your way and find people, pursue the poor in the same way that you pursue God in, in prayer. You need to actually get out of your own head, get out of your own schedule and take time that is probably inconvenient to you. Go and find the poor, go be with them and go give them something that's going to help them out or at the very least make them feel more human. And that's, that's what Lent is for. Like it's supposed to bring us out of ourselves. It's supposed to get us out of autopilot, but we just, we, 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 we say, Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to give up these things that make me, you know, unhappy anyway like Netflix and Instagram and all this stuff. Like, I'm just going to give up these things that make me unhappy. And that's just makes Lent about yourself still. <laughs> yeah. And that's just, you're m- totally missing the point. And at, we just need to talk about this in, in a better way. And we need more clarity. And those of us that, that do get it and are, are on fire about it. We need to talk, have better conversations with our friends, challenge our friends. If you hear somebody saying like, Oh yeah, I'm going to ask people, what are you doing for almsgiving this Lent? And just, and just have that conversation. They might not know, but you can help them figure it out. You can figure that out for yourself and invite people to come with you. That's what I desire. And that's, and that's why we need time to prepare. That's why we need to think about it, you know, two, three weeks out. Um, so those, those are kind of my takes. We can talk about prayer too, but I feel like people have a pretty good idea of what we think about prayer. I mean, we've talked about prayer often. Yeah. I think, I think, I think looking to the, the point that you made about the USCCB's definition of fasting, I think it, I think it illustrates an interesting point and that is, uh, you cannot, you can't get spiritual advice from a committee. <laughs> if um, only if we could, we'd be all over that as Americans. That'd I know be our, we'd our be number like, one thing. We'd be going straight to heaven, and it's <laughs> it, get get spiritual advice from mystics and from teachers, and even though bishops are supposed to be teachers, from people that have been given a gift of teaching, mm-hmm. um, like a like a, a gratuitous gift of teaching. Uh, it's I've been reading I've been reading a lot about sacramental orders and how bishops are given the responsibility to teach, govern and sanctify, but teaching mm-hmm. and governing are gifts that mm-hmm. the Lord gives to people and so they have a right. duty to do it but don't necessarily have the skill that comes with the study with teaching, you know, and and it's like mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. bishops have the responsibility so pray for your bishops. They just have the responsibility to teach or appoint people that are better teachers, right? Um, But we can't just exclusively look to the bishops for personal spiritual advice. Yeah. That, yeah. That's a that's a top-down approach. And but I don't even think people are not li- even looking to the bishops for personal spiritual advice. They're just, they don't even want spiritual advice. They just want to say, like, what's the minimum amount that I can do to check my religious obligation box and then move on? Fair. That's and, it. Yeah, they, and then the bishops got together really and made that. it. Yeah. And then the bishops were like, well, I don't want to be the one that sets the bar too low. Right. So let's get yeah. together and let's figure this is hash this out. Yeah. I get it. I don't want to, I don't want to imply that I'm, I don't want to imply like disobedience to the bishop, to your I bishop. Do. Oh, yeah. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, please, no, no, please. No, 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 please. No, no, no. No, 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 no. Bishop, Bishop Condor, if you're listening to this, I love you. I love what you're rocking. Keep it up. Proud of you, man. You're great. <laughs> Bishop Zubik, please don't fire me. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, I think, I think look, to, look to holy men and women in your life for spiritual guidance because uh, that is what they are there for. That, that is what God has given us uh, holy men and women for because they are there to guide the community around them. And uh, holiness in the church can't come top down. It's got to come bottom up. So, I think that's good. I think yeah. these are good good reflections pre Lent. You you did get to talk about the the sacramental character of holy orders, which is good. Which, which I is wanted, what you wanted to. to. You want to talk about it anyway? Yeah. Um. I th- I think we all know what time it is. It's time to say goodbye. No, I'm just kidding. It's not. What? It's time for hot take. I thought, for, I thought hot you were about to break up with me. No. <laughs> no, don't. I live for this. <laughs> We no, just no, hit no. twenty thousand downloads. That's <laughs> no, 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 no. You broke up with me once. That happened. I, I did, and I'm so sorry. I feel bad. It was awful. It was a horrible two weeks. 
when Ethan was like, I'm not going to do the podcast anymore because I'm going to go be an engineer. I'm going to go tinker with tinker with robots, and then I'm going to leave Patrick to do a podcast by himself. No one's going to listen. Uh, let's get, No one knows that. I don't know if anyone knows that. <laughs> it's okay. We can tell them. It's it's too, It's too. so far in the past now that it doesn't even matter. Kids, mom and dad almost got... No, I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but we didn't. But we didn't. Uh, yeah, that, that was like three years ago. Anyway, okay. So we got we got two Dr. Ethan's Dating Corners. We'll see how the first one goes, and then we'll, then we'll hit up the, the next one. All right? Okay. Uh, I know it hurts. I'm sorry. Go on. You came to the right place, you ding dong. It's called communication, baby. Hello. I have a follow-up question. Oh, this is a really good this is a really good one. I forgot about this. I have a follow-up question based on the conversation you guys had last episode regarding mm. the girl lamenting about three bad examples of Catholic guys. Okay. Sure. I remember that. You guys talked about guys not being ready to date if they're addicted to porn. My question is, how would you characterize an addiction? If oh, I, boy. for example, fall into this sin once every one to three months, uh, would you say I should break up with my girlfriend? Should someone in a similar scenario who isn't dating yet wait to pursue a relationship? At what point would they be ready to, re- to, to pursue a relationship? I think it would be unfair to someone to say to someone they shouldn't date if they looked at porn in the last three months. I think that would lead to lower self-esteem and scrupulosity about it. Obviously, it's also unfair to the other person in the relationship because they're basically being cheated on with pixels on screen. I'm not trying to say you guys are wrong. I just want some clarification. Uh, Ethan, are you ready to answer the dubia? <laughs> yeah. So, just like we said right before we started this segment, let's 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 organize and and make some spiritual advice for people that we don't know and will never talk to. Hooray! <laughs> like, so this is this is so hard, right? Because things like this are a case by case basis. Literally, they they really are. Yeah. And. Uh, we can talk about things in generalities and say, yeah, it's probably not a good idea if a person has this, but I'm hesitant to, to, to get into the weeds because it's like, I, I trust your prudence, right? Like if you're asking this question, what pray about it? What does, what do you think God is telling you to do? If you think you can stay with your, your girlfriend and work through this together. Great. Yeah. If you think that you can't great. Like I, I think it's really hard to say, universally i think we can give some general principles and say uh watching pornography once every three months is different than watching pornography every day like i think yeah anybody it just could, is could, yeah could make that judgment and i think you could say some things about the former versus the latter but uh i mean i'm on a podcast bro like i don't yeah know i'm not you. i'm not a, i'm not a counselor i will I, I will say this i'm never going to just blanketly say because xyz therefore you should break up with your girlfriend sure like, sometimes we say that in this segment let's, sometimes we let's, say that but like yeah actually no sometimes we say that i, is, I will this is i will a comedy say podcast. i will say that uh it's there there are very there is a very high bar and you my friend have not met that bar for immediate relationship termination by Dr. Ethan. Uh, he's yeah. not going to pull the plug on you. Um, no. I think, I think that, I think that it's, it's very, it's very easy in a situation like this to say, Oh, well you struggle with a sin that I don't struggle with. Therefore you shouldn't be in a relationship. Right. Um, and I, I, I will say if, if you are someone who, you know, only struggles one to three times or one every like one to three months, um, I would ask why, those one to three months, why have you invested in any kind of accountability software, any kind of safeguards? Because you know it could happen. Um, just because you might not be in an extreme situation where you need real help and detox, uh, that doesn't make the sin any less serious. Um, because yeah. like one instance of mortal sin on your soul or 30 instances of sin, mortal sin on your soul, uh, still really bad. You know, yeah. it's one one person might be more predisposed to vice than the other but Mm -hmm. it's still really bad and so like i think i think just you you might not need to break up with your girlfriend but you might need to ratchet up your perspective on how serious the situation is sure um because it's like i know that it's bad but like i only do it every one to three months like i I don't even want you to think even like that even though you didn't say that in your in your email i don't i Mm -hmm. just want i just want like you to be as far away from this as possible. Like, I want one to three times, one to three months. I want that to be like even out of the question because you're yeah. not going to break. You're not because here's the thing: sin like that doesn't doesn't walk back. 
You know, it's sin doesn't really walk back. It's really it's people say like, oh, quitting cold turkey is difficult, but it's like also it's kind of your only option. Right. It's, it's either point. it's either you keep doing a particular sin or you never do it again. Yeah, those you are know, your two like, options. Those yeah. are really the two options. And not saying that like, oh, if you don't never do it again, you're doing something wrong because addiction is real. And there are things that happen in the brain that are really hard to conquer and take a lot of time and potentially counseling and potential other other kinds of things that, that you need help with. But the reality is, is that you 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 have to make the choice to fight it and you have to make the choice to build virtue throughout those three months before you get to that time again. Um and if you think that you can't build that virtue while you're dating that particular person, then that's that's the question you have to be asking yourself. Can I build enough virtue while yeah. I'm dating this person so that when I get into this situation that I know is going to come up to say no to mortal sin because I, I want to say no to mortal sin more than I want to say yes to to something else. Yeah. Um, and like we, we should we should desire to be saints more than we should desire to maintain the status quo. You oh, know? absolutely. And, yeah. and that's... That, and so this, I'm not going to tell you what to do. I, I'm not going to tell you what to do. I think you should, I think you should take this and think about it, pray about it, and then make a firm resolution to not commit mortal sin ever again. And then, and then go from there and whatever follows from that, that's what you need to do. But I can't, I'm, again, I'm not, a, I'm not a committee. I'm not the USCCB. I'm not going to pretend like I can prescribe, uh, you know, what you need to do. Yeah, and, and addiction, from what I understand, like if we're going to define an addiction, it's dependence on something addiction. and going going back to something without any regard for the consequences of it. You know, like a refusal to ignore it despite the consequences. And like that's kind mm-hmm. of a broad definition because I think under that definition, uh, every sin is an addiction. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but I think you can, you might, you might look into yourself and say, hey, I uh, I keep doing this even though I know the consequences, even though I know mm-hmm. it's adulterous in a sense. Yeah. Never mind. Adulterous. You know, like even though I know it's this, I'm going to go back to it even every so often, right? An alcoholic who drinks, who only gets drunk one every one to three months is still an alcoholic. Yeah. You know, and so... I don't know. You, you you might have a you might have a pornography addiction. Um, you might not. I can't I can't say that about you. Um, and I also can't say that just because you have a pornography addiction, you should not be in a relationship. Yes. I, I think I think like Ethan said, it comes down to. Are you? It is your is your significant other causing that addiction? Uh, are they helping? Are they hurting? Um, or are they? Are they aware of it? You know, that, that's, mm-hmm. that's something else. I, I would, I would, I would definitely suggest you talk it, depending on how long you've been in this relationship and how comfortable you feel sharing this, uh, talk to them about it and see how she reacts. And, uh, if she's a very holy woman, her reaction will probably make you never want to do it again. <laughs> um, I think I kind of want some, something fun. This yeah. is kind of a sad, a sad question. Not sad, but it's a bit more somber. That's why. That's why serious. I loaded up too. That's why I loaded yeah, yeah. up too. Can, can yeah, yeah. Oh, we got to end on a high note here, Pat. I thought it was pretty important though, because we it's did, good. No, we yeah, did I'm go glad heavy we on the about porn it. addiction. All right, cool. Yes. Hello, it's Helen or Abed again. Uh, I'm here to give you an update and ask a new question. I ended up realizing I didn't like the guy who ran the committee at my Newman Center. Uh, oh. I think I, I we we had I vaguely remember this conversation. Yes, me too. No hard feelings. We just understood later on that I thought he was cool, uh, but not dating-wise. Thank you guys for your advice. Back in December, I met a new guy, Vincent, over a Zoom chat. Hold on. Pause. Time out, time out, time out. Yeah. You got to get to the back of the line if you want to ask for repeat advice. All right? Let's just... <laughs> There's no line, okay? <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, all right. I got this question this morning, all right? Okay. <laughs> uh, back in early December, I met a guy, Vincent, over a Zoom chat. Uh, we ended up growing really close over the span of about a month. Uh, we call I called him to tell him I liked him. Nice. 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 Well done. Very forward. Long story short, sometime after that, we both admitted to liking each other, and now we're dating, and we've been on oh. one official date so far. Okay. Um, okay. For the first time, we hung out in person and not Zoom. Uh, the first time we hung out in person, not on Zoom, counts as a date, uh, but neither of us admitted it. Uh, personally, I see myself discerning marriage with him. Um, my question is, how can I pray for Vincent or pray with him? I pray for him and his special intentions daily. We have prayed a rosary together once. Other than that, I am clueless as how you pray with someone you are dating, specifically. 
What did you guys do with Phoebe and Emma, respectively? Uh, congratulations, Ethan, by the way. Oh, Hopefully, you. this advice will help others as well. Thank you both for the sweet, sweet content. You're in my prayers. Wow. Uh, do you want to go first? You, you're, you're been in a relationship longer than me, so you have more to say. That's fair. And so, uh, mine, mine and Phoebe's, uh, mutual prayer life has evolved since we dated. Um, and so it's, it's not too hard to remember. It, it especially took form during when I was, when I was quarantined in Houston. Mm. Uh, by the way, side note, my new least favorite word is quarantine because we've all been using it wrong and like nobody really talks about it. We weren't in quarantine. We were in lockdown. You're only in quarantine if you're sick. Yeah. Okay. So during yes. lockdown. <laughs> okay. Uh, I was I was locked down like in at Phoebe's house. And so I was like, you know, in the same general vicinity as her. Different building, same house. And so we would pray together every night. And like that started a routine that we continued into our marriage. Before that, it was it wasn't like you have to pray. Every, we have to pray every date. Uh, mostly just going to mass together talking about our prayer lives openly, um, mentioning them in personal prayer intentions and intercessory prayer and stuff like that. It was very small. I would kind of compare it to the way that like a convert prays when they first start being converted. They like pray very sporadically and like for a long period of time, but not consistently, Hmm. you know? And it's because you're, you're kind of fostering a prayer life together, but not in a way that you want to like anchor your prayer life to that person. Now mine and Phoebe's prayer life is cemented together, you know? And so it, it looks different now where we like, we pray together every day and frequently. Um, and so I would say my advice is pray with someone that you're dating every so often, like try to do it. At, like if you, if you see each other all the time, try once a week, twice a week. And then gradually add stuff as you feel so called. For instance, we started with just a Hail Mary together. And then we added um, intercessory prayer, Thanksgiving. And then we also added five minutes of contemplation over time. So like those were things we added on over time. And it was as we felt like we were growing together, we added those things. That's my advice. Is that good advice? Okay, cool. Yeah, that's pretty good. I I can share from my experience. Em and I didn't really pray together for the first month and a half, two months or so. I mean, we did, we prayed spor- sporadically, like what you were talking about. We kind of had to just like build up that trust, you know, yeah. in a lot of ways. Cause it's weird to just start day one, like boom, praying together every night. Yeah. That's um, weird. What we did for a long time was we would pray the DMC and then do intercessory prayer afterwards every nice. night. Um, and we've recently transitioned from doing that to praying night prayer together every night. Um, but we do, we do pray together every day um, in some form. And so it's just kind of evolved and looked different. I don't know what it's going to be like as we get deeper into our engagement and married. But I think you shouldn't necessarily feel a huge obligation to have a grand united prayer life that's daily when you first start dating. Maybe like once a week rosary, you know, those kinds of things. But over, over time, if you start dating for, you know, a month and a half, two months, you should really start thinking about like, okay, how can we integrate prayer into our daily lives together? Um, in a way that's reasonable and not super like un inconsistent. The nice thing about the DMC, it was a short, we knew that we could always fit it in, you know? And so it was never like this, it was a commitment, but it wasn't un untenable. Um, yeah. And that's really, really important to have a sense of scale. Like you might want to pray the rosary together every day. You might not be able to. It's, and it's so just kind of tough to do a prayer like rosary with people. Yeah. You know, like every day that's tough because it takes a little yeah. bit longer. And so, Anyway, a lot of advice. Not a lot of uh, not, not a, lot a lot of clowning. Not hey, a lot of clowning guys, today. Guys, 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 guys. I get it. You've been listening to Doctor Ethan's Dating Corner for like a year now. Um, please stop taking our advice so your relationships fall apart and you need us again. And, and you need us again. Yes, yeah. baby, come back. <laughs> baby, come back. Like, please, please start. We guys, we need to get new listeners that aren't uh, that aren't so well adjusted. Yeah. So that we can have content. Guys, it's ask for your, the children. Ask your crazy friends for, you know, hey, how's that relationship going? <laughs> and then take, why are you taking diligent notes? Oh, nothing. It's for a podcast. Nothing. Not for anything at all, actually. Not for anything at all. Yeah, it's just for my notes that I yeah. don't take. I'm not taking notes. You're dreaming. Not taking notes. Yeah. Um, sweet. That's that's it. Facebook.com slash groups slash the Crunchcast. Join the conversation. Patreon.com slash crunch. Patreon.com slash the crunch. Join the money stream. My Venmo right into my is... pockets. Focus.org slash missionary slash Ethan hyphen Stevie. 
all the ways that you can get connected with us. Um, Seek 21 did a podcast. Um, Check it out. If you sign up for at seek.focus.org, you can go to seek next weekend and hear our live podcast. In addition to speakers like father Mike Schmitz, Bishop Barron, sister, Bethy Madonna, um, sister Miriam James, all the, all the legends that you love to hear. They're going to be there. They're going to be talking. You're going to want to get signed up, get some friends together, watch seek 21 live next weekend, February 4th through the 7th. It's like 50 bucks. You're not going to want to miss out. You're going to get our podcast. You're going to get lots of other podcasts that are exclusive. Only on the Seek 21 Yeah, we're not page. posting it anywhere. Ethan signed a not contract for me. Yep. And I'm going to tell <laughs> that story here because who knows if you're going to hear it because you might not go, but you should. Everybody yep. should. Uh, but yeah, Ethan signed a contract for me and didn't realize that was illegal. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> it is what it is. Hey, we're still we're still getting paid, right? Uh, no. Wait, we're not getting paid? No. We haven't been getting paid this whole time. Oh, God. Yeah, I know. Patrick, Patrick, I have some expenses that we're going to have to talk about. I've put thousands of dollars into this pod, millions of dollars into this podcast. That that 12-story broadcast studio I built in downtown Manhattan, just a waste. In downtown Steubenville? (laughs) That I bought for $14 in a pack of gum. Also, my name is Matt Fred. Um, Patrick, do you have anything else for the people? Perjury? More like herjury. Oh, thank you all for listening. Please pray for us. We will be praying for you, and we will see you all next week.